0: I grew up in Council of Iowa in a Jewish family. My dad's an atheist, a hardcore atheist. My mom's an agnostic. Despite my parents, I had always believed in God, always. It was spring and I was 16. My horse reared up, fell over backwards, and as she hit my chest, I immediately left my body. I was up 30, 40 feet in the air. I just left. I knew I was dead. There was a light over my shoulders and it was illuminating everything in front of me
1: as my hindu belief i thought if i die then that should be it maybe i'll come back as another another living thing in this life but it did not happen i heard cold blue cold blue i asked the doctors what what actually happened he said well they could not revive your heart a bright light was appearing before me i knew that light had superior authority, superior power. I knew it was a divine light. I and fell
2: in love with that light. I was born in Itwanda, to the parents with the different ethnic backgrounds. One Otoe, another one Tutsi, mixing with the Islam and the tradition, uh, ancestry worship. I was diagnosed by blood cancer. The doctor said that uh, this cancer is on the first stage and it cannot be healed. When I died, I found myself in a very big, in a very big room, a person in. This white garment was very shiny, shiny, that kind of sunshine in my eyes.
0: When all the COVID situation was happening and I was extremely sick, I just knew that I was gonna die. And I started floating on top of my husband's head and I'm looking at my body, I was just like, am I dead? And I started screaming, God, please forgive me. Cause I realized he was real in that moment. I knew that there was something missing. This light pops bold, like seeing the sun without burning. I knew that that was the voice of God because of the authority and the love. It was like, I am who created you. I just knew that I was made by this. Well,
3: it's so great to be here with you this morning. And uh, I think I was actually here, um, but virtually during COVID. So... I've never actually been here. It's great to be here. I love Eric and what you guys are are doing here. And have you ever noticed that Eric like has the perfect radio voice? I'm jealous. Yeah, (laughs) face two, yeah. (laughs) He said that. Well, you just met some of the people that I have interviewed who clinically die, their heart stops beating, their brain waves cease, and yet when they're medically resuscitated, they come back saying they were more alive than ever in a place more real than this one and in the presence of a God of light and love who they never wanted to leave. And now before you say, oh gosh, this is weird, this guy talks to dead people? No, no, they're very much alive when I talk to them. In fact, more alive than most of us and this experience is more common than you would ever believe you know in 2019 the european academy of neurology reported a study done across 35 countries including the united states and found that five percent of people or one out of 20 who have clinically died have had what's called a near-death experience or nde i mean that's millions and millions of people and I believe that God is giving these as testimonies of his great love and grace offered to all people of all nations now if you're skeptical though I was too I didn't always believe that when I first started studying these I was an analytical skeptical engineer I first came across these experiences when my dad was dying of cancer um, right here at MD Anderson and I saw a book that someone had given him. is was the very first book on this research. And I picked it up and I started reading it. And at the end, I said, oh my goodness, this could be evidence that this God and afterlife stuff is real. Because I was an agnostic. And that opened me and I started studying the Bible. And I later came to faith in Christ. And I went from a career in engineering into ministry. And over the last 35 years, I have, I have studied over a thousand of these near-death experiences. And in 2015, I wrote the book Imagine Heaven to show how the commonalities of what they report is exactly what the Bible's been telling us all along. And I just released a book called Imagine the God of Heaven because when I would interview them, they would tell me of all the beauty of heaven, of all the wonders, glorious reunions, of all the mysteries of heaven, nothing compared to just being in the presence of God. That he is the love that you and I have always wanted. Now, if you're still skeptical and wonder, well, how do you know these things are not just hallucination or endorphins flooding the brain, anoxia, or just a trick of the brain? Well, I, I thought that too, and um, and in Imagine the God of Heaven, I go through the ten points of evidence that convince not only me but many skeptical doctors, medical doctors, that this is real. You know, verifiable evidence that uh, studies have shown are 98% accurate. Blind people having near-death experiences can see in the experience and they're reporting the same things. And people who on the other side meet people who are deceased that they didn't know were deceased until they came back and seven other points of evidence. But has God just started revealing himself in our age of modern medical resuscitation? Like when they're NDEs? Of course not. And that's really what I'm trying to show. the Bible is actually God's love story with all nations. It's a story he's been telling all along. That God created all the nations for relationship with himself. But that each one of us chooses to go our own way. We reject God's love at some point. But, but he, he did something uh, to, to bring us all back to him. You know, 4,000 years ago, before any of the world's religions were put down in a sacred writing, God claims to have spoken to Abraham and Sarah, saying this, in Genesis 12, it records it. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And God rose the the Jewish nation to bless the world by preserving the scriptures, but also foretelling a time that this Messiah would come to lay down his life and pay the price for all nations, for all people, that everyone who just calls on the name of the Lord would be made right with him by faith. And then in the last book of the Bible, John reports that he was taken into heaven and saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne of of God and before the Lamb, Jesus And then it says, and there's a great wedding. It's this great mysterious love relationship that God has with all people of all nations. And God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that is what NDE testimonies are confirming today. Watch this.
0: My dad had a mantra, there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no hell. Jesus Christ is the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind. My heart hit my chest. I was up 30, 40 feet in the air. I realized there was a person standing right there. And he moved forward and I looked at him and he looked at me and it's like oh Jesus I was not thinking what is a nice Jewish girl like me seeing Jesus no I knew this man I saw him from the time I was formed in my mother's womb he had been with me you know just when I used to talk to God at night when I was a little kid he'd been there he'd been there sitting by my bed I saw that I can't explain how God can be a light and God can be a man and God can be love. I I can't explain it. I can't, but that's what I experienced. They even called me Karina, come, come. They were celebrating me. I'm like me, out of everybody, and I kept saying, God, I don't deserve you. I'm filthy. Send me back to hell. I know I was going there, and He said, Come. I love you. I knew I was home. That is home.
2: When I died, I found myself in a very big, in a very big room a person entered wearing a a white garment with the sandals, you know, holding his hand, you know, showing them to me with these very big holes into his heart. He told me, I died for men. You are among those I died for. Never deny it again and tell this to everyone. I woke up, people had come for party. So I started shouting, Jesus is in in front of you. I'm seeing him, he is there. He's the one who has brought me back. I fell in love with that light
1: because it was protecting me f- from any harm, taking me somewhere safer. The light stopped and I saw that light was shining on top of a beautiful compound. Inside that compound, or complex I should say is, There was a lot of mansions, big buildings, absolutely gorgeous, square shaped. It is very high walls. And I saw there's 12 magnificent gates there, beautiful gates, many angels. They're protecting that gate. I knew I was looking at the kingdom of heaven. I saw there was a huge throne. And on that throne, there was the Almighty. I knew He was the Almighty. I knew it automatically. His eyes were like lightning bolts. And all the sins I committed in my life was flushed before my eyes. So I kept repeating the same thing, that, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And then finally, He spoke to me. His voice, was full of tenderness, mercy, and the grace. He said, I'm sending you back to the earth. When the Lord spoke to me, I experienced a love, tenderness from him that I did not expect. Just a few short distance from him on the on that platform level, I saw a very narrow door or a narrow gate that was open. And that is the only gate through whom I can enter into the kingdom of heaven. I ask the Lord, Lord, when you see me again, please tell me how I can go through this narrow door. This next time when you see me, Lord, I want to go to the narrow door.
3: Now think about this. Why would a 16-year-old Jewish girl who was told that Jesus is just a hoax know that when she dies that she was seeing Jesus and that Jesus was the God that she had prayed to her whole life? And why would a Muslim imam from Rwanda come back proclaiming that Jesus saved him from this hellish experience and then he becomes an Anglican pastor who has had seven attempts on his life, because he still lives in Rwanda, a Muslim country, because he won't shut up about Jesus. And then how do you explain a Hindu manufacturing engineer describing the city of God that John says he saw when he was taken into heaven, that he reports in Revelation 21, when he said, so he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city. It shone with the glory of God, and the city wall was broad and high, and 12 gates guarded by 12 angels, and it was square as wide as it was long. How do you explain this? Except that God is giving testimony. You know, it's interesting, Santosh came back and he was seeking God with all his heart. He was like, this, this, this was not the gods I learned about in Hinduism. Who is this God of love and mercy who knows me? And he was praying every day to know him. And two years later, his daughter gets invited to sing in a church choir. She was a choral major. And Santosh goes to hear her sing and walks into the church and feels the same loving presence. And the message that day was on the narrow gate where it says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. And in John 10, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And Santosh told me he went home and started reading the Bible, and he said, everything I experienced was in this book. And he became a follower of Jesus as a result. Now, God brought me testimonies like this from every continent, from Tehran, Singapore, from India, China, Africa, Australia, all over the globe, people who are dying and coming back are discovering what Peter discovered. When God saw the heart of a a Roman soldier who was praying sincerely, and he sends Peter to tell him about Jesus. And Peter says this in Acts chapter 10, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And this is the message of good news. And Peter goes on to explain to him about what Jesus did. Jesus is the one who the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Now, I find that this confuses Christians a lot of times. And they'll ask me questions like, well, what are you, what are you saying? I mean, it, it, does this mean that, that uh, everyone who sees God is right with God or that everyone goes to heaven? No, because you know of people who come forward reporting near-death experiences, 23% at least report a hellish near-death experience. And half the people you're seeing here first saw the reality of hell as well as the reality of heaven and of God. And so what we need to understand is that these are not eternity. Whatever a near-death experience is, it's not crossing over into eternity. In fact, near-death experiencers commonly say there was a border or a boundary. They knew that if they crossed over, they couldn't come back to earth. So this is not going into eternal life or eternal death, which is why I don't encourage people to search out NDEs for their theology of what's gonna happen in eternity. Go to the scriptures. But what these do show us is that this is real. God is giving us a a peek. And we shouldn't be surprised that people who don't even know Jesus or believe in him see the same God of light. After all, Acts chapter 10 reminds us, um, I mean, Acts chapter nine reminds us that Saul was Persecuting and killing Christians. He didn't believe in Jesus. When the same God of light appears to him on the Damascus road, right? And he says, Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Now, notice, Jesus does not tell him the gospel. He later sends Ananias to explain the message of Jesus. And Paul still has a free will and a choice. Will he follow Jesus? He had a lot to lose by doing so. And so NDEs are like that. They come back and they still have a choice. Will they seek this God they experience? Will they follow him? So NDEs are more like me visiting Buckingham Palace. You know, I can can go and see the place, but that doesn't mean the royal family's ready to adopt me to live there forever. And that's what NDEs are like. They're seeing the reality and God tells them, come back and tell what you've seen. Because God wants all people to seek him, and then we find him. And the reason is, is because what God wants is your heart. God wants love. That's what he created us for. And love can't be forced or coerced. So he doesn't. He waits to see, will we seek him? Okay, but what is this God like? That's really what I spend the majority of my time on in this new book, Imagine the God of Heaven. Because... The truth is, those of us who know Jesus sometimes think we know what God's like. But the truth is, we all put him in a box. We have to. We're finite. And so I want to encourage you to break open that box. Because God is far more mysterious and majestic and glorious and holy and pure and powerful and wonderful than you've ever imagined. And you can trust him. But you know, God is also way more personable and uh, fun and even funny than you've ever imagined. And if that kind of hits the edges of your box, I think we need to rethink because the scriptures tell that, but indie ears tell us that as well. What God wants is an intimate, honest relationship. And the truth is he understands you more than anybody. And the more you understand how he actually feels about you, the more you're willing you'll be to daily follow him in full surrender. Watch.
1: And I asked the Lord, Lord, please tell me what I need to do to enter when you see me next time I want to enter. He said, I want to see how honest, how true, how sincere you are with me. 365 days a year, not just once a week. I want to see your relationship with me. What's your relationship? Once you are back to your family, I want you to love your family and love your children. The wages of sin is death. Commit no more sins. Surrender yourself completely to underline completely unto me in your daily lives. Walk with me.
0: After this life review, he took my hand and we flew. We surfed. It was like we had this wave of light under our feet and we were holding hands and flying like Superman and Lois Lane. So faster and faster and faster. And he was grinning from ear to ear. And it was the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. I saw a light and it was getting closer and closer, and it was, it's a living light, and it's the brightest thing you can imagine, but I could look at it. It's perfect. It's blemishless, infinite in its scope, and that light was love, and Jesus took me directly into the light, and the next thing I knew, I found myself sitting on God's lap, and I have a granddaughter, a two-year-old granddaughter, and you know, if she needs comforting, she'll sit on my lap and bury her, her face in my chest and I'll put my arms around her and she'll, she'll have her arms around me. That's what I was doing. I was like a little kid. And I buried my face against his chest. I put my arms around him and he had his arms around me and I never, ever wanted to leave
4: and everything in my body started shutting down. We have the documentation and the timing that my heart and my lungs, I was considered clinically dead for an hour and 45 minutes. And I knew Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I found myself leaving my body and going toward this light, and I knew that's where Jesus and the Father is, and I wanted to be with them. And when I first came in, I remember there was a forest right before me. And when I got on the other side of the forest, that's when I saw Jesus Christ. He was real bright. Brighter than any light I've ever seen, even the sun. And probably what amazed me is I could look at him, and I went down on my hands and knees, and I said these words, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Only reason I was there is because of what he had done. Somebody always said, well, did you see the nail prints? I said, I saw him, but that's not what I was concentrating on. What I was concentrating on is the love that everything was coming out of him for me, like I was the only one he loved. Anybody I thought of in the the switch of my thinking, all of a sudden I saw the love for them like he only loved them. And I came to understand that God Almighty goes out and creates love for us that only we can receive. And that's what I was receiving, that love that God had made for me. Now that light coming off of him, I remember it wrapping itself around me. Someone asked me one time, was he hugging you?
3: I said, everything about him was hugging me. God is far more personal and intimate and loving and even fun than you've ever imagined. And one of the reasons so many of us don't follow God wholeheartedly is because deep inside we think he's sitting up there kind of looking down going, anybody having fun down there yet? Well, cut it out. Get back to work. And no wonder we don't seek him because we don't imagine him correctly as he really is. And the scriptures tell us this. He's the most understandable, loving, kind, merciful, joy-filled being there is. Jesus came to show us that he understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God because there we will receive mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. See, not only can God relate, but he's kind and he's merciful, just as Santosh and Swadik discovered. And you know, people say things like, well, there are 8 billion people. God doesn't care about me. Yes, he does, because he's God. He's not like us. You know, and there are 8 billion people praying. He doesn't hear my prayers. He hears every single one, and he answers them. And in the part of the book where we go into the mystery and the majesty of God, it'll stretch your imagination as you hear indie ears talk about time on different dimensions and how that works and how God is both imminent, he's with us, but he's also transcendent, he's beyond us. Just like it says in Ephesians 4, there is one God and father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. In other words, God is the very life force sustaining all things. He's infinite. He's everywhere. But he's also separate. He's over all. He transcends the universe and all he created. And I go into all these theological terms that we hear like omniscient and omnipotent, you know, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere, holy or pure, eternal, infinite. And we hear those words, but what do they mean? And when you hear these indie ears explaining what that experience was like, it makes you trust God more. He can be trusted with everything. One of the most fascinating things about the mystery of God is uh, Suzanne, this 12-year-old girl, and Heidi, who was a 16-year-old girl, both describe experiencing one God, but as Father, Son, and Spirit. It's like, how? And, and, you know, we, we have such a struggle with, with the Trinity, right? I mean, it feels, people will say, say, well, that's a contradiction because three can't be one. And so I like to use an, an analogy to help us understand that God exists beyond our three dimensions. So imagine this. Imagine I created a flat two-dimensional world, okay? And I stuck my three fingers through their plane of existence. It would look like that, right? Now... What if I said to them, I'm not actually three round slices, because that's what they would see me as. They would see me as three round slices. But what if I said, I'm not actually three round slices, I'm only one being. But that would be contradictory, because three round slices can never stack up my hand into one being in their world, because there is no up or down. Only side to side and forward and back. They don't have a third dimension. And so we are limited by three dimensions. So maybe the Father, Son, and Spirit somehow connect up into one beyond our dimensional understanding. And interestingly, indie ears confirm this in what they say. You know, funny story uh, about that, uh, this illustration. I was in a writing deadline, and I, I thought of this wanted to have that graphic in there, and, and I didn't have time to do it, so I called up my son-in-law, Dom, who's in high tech, and he's good with that computer graphics, and I said, hey, can you, can you put together an illustration like this? And, and he did, and he sent it back, and um, you know, the, the book is now being translated into multiple languages around the world, and you know, I thought that was a computer graphics hand, but then he told me, no, I just took a picture of my hand when I was in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, huh, well, You know, if the high-tech sales thing doesn't work out, I guess now you have experience as an international hand model. You got that going for you. He likes to tell people, I had a hand in that book. You know, Dr. Ron Smotherman is a neurologist and psychiatrist who had one of his clients have a psychotic break and turn on him and stabbed him 13 times. He showed me the scars in his neck and side. Right before the 14th blow, he said time stopped, and there before him is this brilliant God of, of light. Listen to how Dean Braxton and then Ron describe the mystery and the majestic qualities of this God.
4: People always talk about a throne room. It wasn't a room like people think it is, because to me, I was, it was more of um, being out in nature. I was there when we all gathered around the throne of God to tell our Father how much we love Him. This was not my belief system. I didn't even know it was in in the Bible at the time, but He sung a love song back to us, each and every one of us. When I was talking to Him, I was talking to Jesus and also the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like they were all together. But you could not separate them in a sense of communication. The fullness of the Father is inside Jesus. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is inside of Jesus. The fullness of Jesus is inside the Father. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is inside the Father. He is one. You know, it's not one like we think is one. Some people say in the Trinity, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
5: No one thinks that way. There, they're just one. When God shows up in your face like a bomb blast it really gets your attention. And I'm standing there in awe, with a a knife aimed at me, by the way, and time stopped. All I know is that God showed up as a light and the light was roiling with energy, as you would expect if you were up close to, say, an, an atomic bomb. What was roiling even more was the love that came with it. It was, I'm sorry, I'd. I have a hard time talking about this. And in one single instant, all his qualities were in my face. God's overarching quality is love. Everything is contained within that. His knowledge uh, came very suddenly as, as an image of a library filling the universe. His power was undisputable. The joy is it will make you happy for a lifetime. I can't think about it without getting full of joy. His authority is so great that um, you would follow any instruction. Kindness, um, you probably know someone who is someone who's kind, if you can imagine that kindness magnified a thousand times. Humor is, is something rather surprising, you don't expect God to show up, ready to 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 laugh it off. Purity, he is so pure it puts your own condition in stark relief. You can see that you're not that, and there's and then there's humility. If I had his qualities, I would be so proud, you know. But he's not. He is humble. Such humility. Hmm.
3: You know, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle of heart. You know, if you imagine God as this taskmaster, demanding, hard to please, you need to let him out of that box. That's not God. He's, he's humble and gentle. And as you surrender to him daily, he wants to walk with you to ease your burdens and fill you with his joy. You know, Ron also talked about how God laughs. Does that surprise you? Is it, does it kind of hit the, the wall of your box that God would laugh or have fun or enjoy life? It does a lot of us. I'll be honest with you. When Heidi first told me about, you know, Jesus taking her hand and then flying through, you know, surfing this wave of light, I was like, eh, maybe, I don't know. And I kind of set it over here on the, bo- on the shelf. And then I started to hear this 12-year-old girl having almost the exact same experience with Jesus, a different one. And then a four-year-old boy who was te- kept telling his parents when he had this experience in a hospital he said I want to go run and play with Jesus in the fields again and over and over and I started to think why not I mean who do we think created us with the ability to enjoy life who gave us the ability to experience pleasure I mean we can abuse his good gifts yeah but why do we think the one who created us experiences less than we do C.S. Lewis says, joy is the serious business of heaven. And that's what indie Ears confirm. You know, God said to the nation of Israel that he wanted them seven times a year to celebrate. And he said, celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days, because that's who God is. Jesus, last night on earth, he said, I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy and your joy will overflow. And you know what? In Christ, joy is your birthright. And what indie ears tell us, it's not dependent on circumstances. It's dependent on you staying connected to God, like Santosh said, in a in a surrendered way throughout your day. And then no matter what else happens, there is a joy you can experience because it comes from God. You know, staying connected just means praying. And praying's not some formal ritualistic thing. It's just talking to the one who loves you most. And you know what's fascinating? Indie ears tell us that God hears every prayer and he answers every prayer, every sincere prayer from your heart. And in heaven, they see them too. And God is so good, he longs to, to delight in us, and fill our greatest desires. Psalm 37 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I don't think that means if you're happy about God, he's going to give you the Lamborghini, right? I don't think it means you get everything you desire in this life, but you know what? Hearing more and more indie ears speak, I think he really does long to give us the desires of our heart in the one to come. Jim Woodford discovered this that God is good even to those who don't deserve it. You know, Jim is a commercial airline pilot, um, owned several multi-million dollar businesses, very wealthy man. He had a horse farm, a plane, a yacht, 19 British sports cars, and none of it mattered the day he died from an accidental opioid overdose because he had Guillaume Barre. And he told me that As he was dying, he said, you know when you're dying. I think God gives us that last chance because he wants us so much to turn to him. And he realized, I've never thanked God for all these things that I thought were my own doing. And he said, as his head was hitting the steering wheel, he cried out, God, forgive me. And then his head hits the steering wheel and he's gone. And I I joke with Jim, I think you beat the thief on the cross for last minute conversion, buddy. (laughs) Listen to how Jim talks about first experiencing where he was headed, and then God rescuing them, and seeing how God loves to delight us. Watch.
6: I knew I was dying, and I cried out, God, forgive me. In that nanosecond of death, I realized all that I had been given, all I had been blessed with, and I had never once thanked the creator because I couldn't find proof of his existence. We talk about heaven as real, but so is hell. I cried out, God, help me, help me. I who should expect nothing because I gave him nothing, why should he help me? Because he's the God of never too late, if you are contrite. I look, John, and these three magnificent beings are coming toward me. Very tall, luminous creatures, beautiful in every way. First one, who I later found out had been my guardian angel since my birth, since my conception. The tall angel came forward and said, would you walk with us? We walked down this beautiful 10 to 12 foot wide path, lined with flowers that of colors that I'd never seen. And I think what happens is God god knows us each so intimately. He tailors our experience to the, the life we had on Earth. So for me, when we rise up, I'm looking down on the holy city. He gave me an aerial view of, of heaven, I suppose, because I was a pilot. And we came back down and resumed the walking, and, and I've always loved horses. The guardian said, James, look, and then behind a group of trees came three of the most magnificent horses I'd ever seen. And as I'm standing there, I look up in the sky of heaven, and I see these brilliant streaks of light going straight up. And I said, what are these? And the guardian said, those, James, are the prayers of your family for your soul, even now going toward God's throne. The angel said, every prayer you've ever issued, ever thought, ever contemplated is recorded in heaven. And it's not to create an I gotcha moment. When you have your life review, when you cross through the veil and you have your life review, it's to help you understand why you made the decisions you did. But I realized I hadn't seen the tall angel in a while. And so I turned to look and the tall angel was was bowing very low and he was facing this other tall commanding figure. It was as though this golden liquid light flowed down all sides of this magnificent figure. And the flowers that were already in bloom, when that golden light flowed over it, they bloomed again. And that light pooled around my feet. Suddenly, this knowledge of who I was looking at, and I'm looking none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, someone that I thought was just a Jewish legend. And here I am looking at this magnificent being. And I realized then that he was re- what the angel was holding up was the book of my life. And it's, it's no bigger than a cheap roadside diner menu. Mankind should have been my business. And I was just so self-consumed. And, and I was overwhelmed with sadness, shame. Jesus turned toward me. And he smiled at me. He smiled at me. When I looked into those eyes, and I saw such... Sadness for the way I had lived my life, but I also saw love for me and forgiveness. From that moment forward, whatever happened, I was his. When he smiled at me and I realized he loved me and I loved him, it felt like I was the only one that he had ever created. You know, there was that instant connection and you'll all go through that. You are his child. You're his child.
3: You're his child. And all he wants is your heart given to him in love and in trust to walk with him through life so he can fill you with his joy and the purpose he created you for. And I just want to encourage you. Have you given him your heart fully? Maybe you need to surrender your heart again You know, all we need to know that we're right with God forever is to accept this gift He's given us through Jesus. He's paid for all our sins to be forgiven. Have you ever told Him, I want that? Let's pray together. God, thank you that you love us so, that there's nothing that can stand between us and you except our pride. Just our pride saying, No, I don't need you, I don't need your forgiveness. But if you've never told him and you want to know you're right with God, just tell him right now, God, I want your forgiveness and your leadership offered through Jesus. Come and lead my life. And God, many of us maybe who have, have prayed that and maybe we know we're right with you, but we keep going our own way. And God, today we want to commit again just to walk with you daily, realizing that you are the love we've always wanted. You are where real life is found. And so we surrender to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.